This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) We looked out over the open expanse. And we left. There were no more intros to to conquer. A tumbleweed blew through the podcast. It's just, it's. I think it's funnier now to leave it, leave it in because now it's part of it. Uh, it is every week. <laughs> we listen. We may not have a good idea for an intro every week, but what we do do every week is talk about a book that we one of us has, has read that we've never read before, and then we tell you about it. Yeah, and about the person who wrote it, and just about the stuff, the, the thoughts that we had while we were while we were reading it. That's it's what fun. it's fun. <laughs> It is, you know, it is fun, Andrew. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've noticed this. We've been doing this a while now. It's fun. This is pretty fun. It is, and this I is promise that you, the listener, will have fun as well. Andrew, you read the book this week. I did. What's it called? It's called. Who's it Ca- by? It's called "Cast in Shadow" (parentheses The Chronicles of Elantra Number One) (close parentheses) by New York Times bestselling author Michelle Sagara. Great. Okay. Good to know. That is the book that I prepared to talk to you about, does, so we're in yes. good shape. It does pur- purports to be the first book in a series of like 18 books. Okay. Um, this was a book that one of our Patreon subscribers recommended. Um, we've shifted into like a poll every month, but we're, we're honoring a lot of Patreon recommendations still moving forward. And this is from Beth. Thank you, Beth. So I just want to read Beth's note, Andrew, here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Love listening to the podcast. It's a great one to listen to while grinding in video games. Mm. What kind of video games are you playing? Well, how do I, <laughs> how do I, how do I give me some of those, those ones. My book request is Cast in Shadow by Mich- Michelle Sagara. It is the first in a pretty long series about a girl who is basically a police officer in a medieval world where there are dragons, lions that can talk, elves, and people with wings plus magic. I was sent from Beth's iPad. Um, All of- <laughs> thank you, Beth. <laughs> thank you, Beth, and thank you, Beth's iPad, for your service. May, that you, seems like- may, you, may you be able to install software updates for many a year. Sometimes, folks, when folks have recommended books to the show, they're like, this is a book that you know I read when I was 18. It really stuck with me, or I read it during a particular time in my life. I kind of like that Beth was like, here's a book. It's got stuff in it and like did put a pretty comprehensive list of the stuff that is in this book. And listen, all that's all that stuff definitely in here. Okay, I did, great. I did get excited because you, you know me. Uh, if you were to make a list of my like top five favorite shows, what what's one of the shows that would definitely be on there somewhere? Bones. Yeah, the show Bones. So I love a weird procedural. Yeah. So I was amped up for this one. Okay, cool. Well, and uh, <laughs> I'm excited to find out both yeah. what happens in this book, mm-hmm. um, and then you know how it's told, and then your your reading experience. Because maybe yeah. our maybe our listeners have read the book, maybe they haven't. We want to let them know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but should we talk about? You uh, could be Michelle. forgiven for looking at a book series with this many books in it and being like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> It's a big commitment. I'm still playing the field. I don't know if I want to make this kind of a commitment. Yeah. Um, yes. So let's talk about Michelle Cigar. What's what's her deal? Great. Uh, born in 1963, she's a Japanese-Canadian author of fantasy literature. Um, was, you know, worked in bookstores. Um, I think she may even pretty recently worked uh, part-time in a bookstore, but um, wor- worked in bookstores for many years after uh, going to university uh, for writing. And her publishing career 
uh, started in 1991 with her first novel, Into the Dark Lands. Mm-hmm. Sounds and, serious. <laughs> yes. Um, and she said that she started trying to write short stories for publication, thinking that that's what you do as a new author. You write little um, ones and then you work your way up to a big one. Yeah, you try to work out plot and you know stuff at a small scale and then you build it up. And she said uh, in one interview, I set out to write short stories. I wrote two. The third ended up being four novels. <laughs> uh, uh, and... I thought at a hundred pages I thought it was a novella. At two hundred I thought it would be a novel. When I hit the end of the novel, I realized it would be two or three books. Um, this was a long way of saying no. I didn't have any short sales before I sold the novel. I had one short published after the novel was published. So she s- starts with small ideas that quickly become big ideas. That's it's that that's interesting to know. Just that she uh, has trouble containing her ideas within. <laughs> within small packages and that yeah. they kind of balloon out of her control. That's sure, interesting to know. Sure, mm-hmm. um, She talks about, uh, in one interview with Tor on Tor.com, talks about reading a lot of science fiction and fantasy as a kid, growing up in the era of Le Guin, um, and a lot of her comments about like reading Le Guin versus reading like the prior generation of authors reminded me a lot of that character from among others by Joe Walton, like kind of steeped in the genre interested in, you know, the different eras of it, but also Mm -hmm. coming of age as a young woman interested in the genre that has not traditionally been a place uh, for women authors. Sure. But also like being like, well, yeah, but Ursula's right there. Like there's, you know, I can, we can do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And for her, fantasy is about, quote, transformation in the broadest sense. It's a coming of age, a gaining of wisdom, a story of how experience changes a person. Just want to put that out there, see if that resonates with anything today. Uh, And she started a lot of her early books, so she has a whole whole bunch of books. Uh, (laughs) I mean, just the Elantra Elantra ones, or is it other ones, too? No, no, no. There's a whole bunch of them. Um, and some of them are published under different names. So she got started publishing under Michelle, uh, believe it was under Michelle West. Um, and then what they didn't sell particularly well, or she was worried that they weren't by the time she was selling them to a different, selling new books to a different publisher. Um, so she started going. It was, first, she started with Michelle Cigar, excuse me, and then published some books under Michelle West. She, you know, took her married name for those books just to be like, I don't know, maybe those books don't sell well, and you want these to not be associated with that person. So let's use my other name. Um, maybe either that or just like trying to um, short circuit like entrenched. Yeah, racism. Like maybe, uh, maybe, she, maybe she your didn't... name sounds too. I don't know. Like maybe she did she not yeah. say that specifically. Okay, but, all right. Yeah. Um, I just I know that writing like we get mostly like women writing under male pseudonyms yes. for that, but I just like you talk about changing it from Sagara to Wes, and that was the first place my brain went. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Um, she does say that the books that she publishes under West tend to be slower and more complicated, oh my and that <laughs> her series, you know, really? she has. Uh, the, her first series is The Sundered, which is where Into the Darklands is part of. There's four books there. That's back in the 90s. Then comes The Sacred Hunt, which is two books, Hunter's Oath and Hunter's Death. Uh, then there's the Sun Sword series from the late 90s into the early 2000s. And she would tell you that these are on kind of like a big epic scale. There's more big political machinations she said in one interview from 2007 that when she was working on hunter's death uh she wrote like a whole world bible kind of thing Mm -hmm. before she started writing any plot Mm -hmm. because she wanted to work out how the economics work and how the political structures work here's an interesting quote i found though andrew i don't actually enjoy world building for its own sake she says i try to read a lot Try to understand as much as I can of general history. I try to apply that understanding to what I write, but I don't have a lot of advice in how other authors should do it. I think that people who have run D&D campaigns with incredibly clever players have a leg up because they know how to integrate a world with an unfolding narrative that is not quite under their control. Uh, that said, I've never run a D&D campaign. 
which is interesting because I know, you know, in pre-recording conversations, you've talked about like the ways in which some fantasy and parts of this book can feel like you are in, you know, maybe it's because you don't have access to the full story in the person's head or like you're dipping into a group that you weren't part of originally. And like, that's a and d feeling. Yeah. Like, no, are, for, are the for, new person sure. in a group? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And um, I am. Yes. Yes. So I'm, I was just interested by that because I wasn't sure what her experience with that might be. Yeah. I mean, just like once I get going, I'm not going to be able to stop. <laughs> so, she, good, okay. That's, that, that is interesting. We will come back to that. Um, she has another series, the House War series. That's eight books um, from 2008 to 2019. This series, The Chronicles of Elantra, she has other series. She has at least one or two other series, but... Chronicles of Elantra, there are 15, nope, 17 books, excuse me. The 17th book came out in 2022. Is that the prequel one, the wolf one? Uh, that, no, the Wolves of Elantra are two different books. Okay. Uh, in 2020 and 2022, Cast in Eternity came out in 2022. That's the 17th book in this okay, series. Okay, so 17 not counting the prequels or 17 Correct. including? Oh, okay, I believe so it is 19. 17. Yeah, 19 <laughs> Uh, cast in Shadow, Cast in Courtlight, Cast in Secret, Cast in Fury, Cast in Silence, Cast in Chaos, Cast in Ruin, Cast in Peril, Cast in Sorrow, Cast in Flame, Cast in Honor, Cast in Flight, Cast in Deception, Cast in Oblivion, Cast in Wisdom, Cast in Conflict, Cast in Eternity. Okay, so that didn't, that also didn't include the, uh, novella Cast in Moonlight, I don't think. Oh, no, it didn't. <laughs> oh, drat. <laughs> so that's a lot of books. It is, it written. is, it sure is, it sure is. And just as we get ready to talk about this book specifically, um, she says that of these books feeling different from her other larger novels, the cast series was my attempt to write short books and to write books that would be more accessible. She talks about them being urban fantasy, things that map to real world and contemporary experiences. So I guess maybe we're going to talk about the like being a cop in a fantasy universe thing and that specifically these books for at least the first seven books in the series she never breaks pov from the main character like it's like a her other books her other series are the kind of like hop between perspectives thing Mm -hmm. and this apparently was an ex you know for her an attempt to focus into this character okay and that's a, that was like a particular challenge that she set for herself. Yeah, I mean she so. she does that in this book. <laughs> I, yeah, that's one of the qualities of this book. Okay, all right, cool. Um, well, I have I have other stuff about like I found a whole like website of people like still dis- like on a forum talking about these books. Like I uh-huh. fell down a rabbit hole there. So I but I, I know there's a lot of have... fan art. I found a lot of fan art. Oh, I didn't find any fan art of like animal people and stuff. There are yes, okay. Well, maybe we should take a quick break and then you can tell me what's actually in the book and then we can talk about the fan art. Uh, Sure. (laughs) Hey, Andrew. Hi, Craig. This podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. When did you feel like your best self this week? Ooh, uh, pass. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, sometimes you feel like your best self and sometimes you don't. Yep. Um, And when you do, you can do great stuff, but sometimes life kind of bogs you down. Maybe things get in the way. You run out of time for what you wanted to do. Um, And BetterHelp, a service that can connect you with therapists who can help you find ways to put those emotional or mental weights down and get closer to the best version of you. Uh, I think therapy is a great tool for self-reflection. You know, you can talk through with someone whether or not you feel best when you're cast in shadow or cast in honor or cast in ruin or cast in wisdom. Like, that's a thing Mm -hmm, you can mm -hmm, talk through, you mm -hmm, know. mm -hmm. Um, It's a great way to hold yourself accountable, to get some support in talking through the next steps you know that you want to take. You know, maybe there's some stuff in your life preventing you from writing a 17-novel series. Like, you want to talk it out with someone. (laughs) Um, if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, affordable. You just fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no charge. 
If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Overdue today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Overdue. Hey, Craig. Andrew. It's Andrew. Oh. If if you or the listener are like me, when it drops below 50 degrees outside, you like to curl up with a good book or a movie or an album and not go outside in the cold. (laughs) No, thanks. I don't want to. Uh, and with each exciting page you turn or awesome sight or sound you see, you're probably asking yourself, how do they do it? Followed by, how do I also do that? <laughs> which, is, which is why I love American Masters colon Creative Spark, the award-winning podcast from PBS that illuminates the creative journeys of icons across disciplines from music to comedy to poetry to film. Uh, each episode, host Joe Skinner sits down with luminaries like legendary writer-director John Waters, Oscar-winning songwriter Buffy St. Marie, and Pulitzer-winning The Candy House novelist Jennifer Egan, who's a visit from the Goon Squad we discussed back in 2013, because time doesn't mean anything anymore. The uh, Goon American Squad Ma- is time. <laughs> American Masters colon Creative Spark just kicked off a new season. Its amazing first episode features John David Washington, star of Black Klansman and Tenet. Uh, he's in the Broadway revival of August Wilson's The Piano Lesson, and he talks about how it reminds me of Shakespeare. That's hmm. an, another guy that we know. We uh, know both those guys. We know both those guys. Whether you want to learn more about an old classic or discover a new favorite or find inspiration for your own creative journey, this is the podcast for you. Uh, so follow American Masters colon Creative Spark on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and tell them we sent you. Andrew, I did forget to mention... Oh, boy. Michelle Sagara lives in Toronto with her husband and her two kids. Sometimes mm-hmm. she writes for magazine of fantasy and science fiction. Apparently, she uh, does not regret having no dogs. That's a sentence that I read on her <laughs> website. Uh, and I, res- I respect that. I also don't <laughs> regret not having dogs. Uh, and dogs, dogs, dogs need me too much. Yeah. I, I mentioned her bookstore experience she's given a couple interviews where she talks about how it like shaped her understanding of the industry as a writer mm-hmm. i don't know that that will come to play here was it yeah are you like segueing to something or are you just tell me some stuff that you forgot a little say. bit of both okay. i'm like i'm like so i'm just reaching around for a segue over here and i think what i've come up with is Mm-hmm. Still talking about Michelle Cigar. We're still talking about the book "Cast a Shadow: Chronicles of Elantra." Wow, I can't. Hashtag wow. number one. Masterful. <laughs> yeah. So this is the first book in a seventeen slash nineteen slash twenty book series. Um, you've clearly read all of them, and you're just going to tell me about the first one. I'm just going right? to tell you about the first one. It's so I've read a lot. Of, I've read a lot of fantasy fiction in my time. You, yeah, you've you've read a fair amount of it too. For I read a the, fair for amount, show not as much as you though. Yeah, it's like I want to be a little generous to this book because it is the first of like seventeen, and certainly like book six or book seven may have figured out some of the stuff. Yeah, that I that, that in this book that that didn't quite hit me in the right place it reminds me of when you read the very first Discworld book and people were like that's not where you should yeah start. don't start with that one <laughs> i i what i read on some like in the comments section of some blog was <laughs> was that it might be easier to start with the novella cast in moonlight because oh it in many ways functions as the opening like section of this book that I was sure that I had missed somehow. <laughs> that was the first thing you told me about this book. I had and not to yeah, it's it's always tough when, when you're doing something because every every book probably is somebody's favorite book statistically. Yeah. Um and we had somebody who like paid us money to read this and talk about it. So I I want to be I want to be generous. But I also want to be honest, and I had a tough read. I had tough a read. I had a difficult read, like one of the more difficult ones I've had in a like in a long time. <laughs> and we will we we can talk about the book on a on a plot level because I th- I think the stuff it's doing there is kind of interesting, but just the 
on a mechanical like prose level and to a like a secondary extent on like a character building level yeah woof <laughs> this was it okay. was just it was just it was just tough not, not for andrew yeah and i and i i brought some it's well, and I, I read a lot of Goodreads reviews when I was like when I had finished it. That made me feel very seen. So. Okay, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I will preface it as like, if this is your favorite book, you don't have to listen to me. I'm just some idiot. But and, and maybe stuff is different slash better in the later books. But boy, this first one does not make me want to read on and find out. Sure. Well, and Mm. when we, even when we started programming this book, like in the schedule, I was not, I don't think I gave the series credit for being like 20 years old. Like it is a series that has been around for a long time Mm -hmm. and authors are going to change what they want to write about. They're going to sharpen their skills, you know, like what they start putting in the book because of what readers are responding to might change the series when it goes yeah. on that long but also there are a ton, like for every like lord of the rings wheel of time the yep. song of ice and fire there are like 200 i did i haven't done the math but i'm okay. gonna go out and say like 200 like multi-volume fantasy series that has a little pocket of fans but yeah no no wikipedia page which is mm. the situation for the chronicles of elantra i did and we can return to this. I did find fans of michellesagarawest.wordpress.com, mm-hmm. which was founded in 2012 and is still being updated as of November 2022. I mean, she's most... still she's still trucking. So yeah, and good, you good know, for them. we'll come back to that. I think because there's some there's some in what people were talking about on that site. I think some windows into folks dealing with this series. But mm-hmm. where do you want to start in? In your conversation, here. I guess we'll just so the the I got off to the on the wrong foot with this book because when you read when you read a lot of fantasy, you will be coming at it from the perspective of somebody who's like a little younger, like coming of age, or like maybe somebody who's just like fallen into a fantasy situation, like in uh, in Aragon where he gets the dragon. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, Aragon, that remember Aragon that book that we really like. <laughs> But well, there's a, there's a sort of established on ramp method that that authors mm. use to ease you into their world without like throwing too much at you all at once. And the 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 other side of that coin, which I'm sure I know we've harped on other books for, mm-hmm. is that that can feel tropey because it does. There's like a you're you're purposefully limiting the color palette that you can use right mm-hmm. as you i'm just going to mix all the metaphors here no this mix them um, mix them up um put I'm them in a big jar and shake them all around, around. <laughs> yeah um that like you are purposefully limiting the types of things that are going to happen in the beginning of the book because yeah you're trying to ease the reader as well as maybe the main character into the world of the novel you can also be like condescending to somebody yeah. who's read a lot of these like yeah, oh my, yeah. my, oh you tell you tell me money is called credits wow <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> you did it. Got what him, a, George what a Lucas. Rich, what a rich fantasy tapestry you're weaving for me. <laughs> but, but, but the so you're, about, are the you thing, kind of saying this book is skipping some of that? It is. It just, it throws you into the deep end so hard and so fast. Like this is a fantasy world where as the, the person who recommended it, whose name escapes me mentioned like it has, Beth. yeah, it has, like fantasy cops, it has lion people, it has bird people, it has telepathic people with who look like pe- humans, but they just have tentacles. As people who are called dragons, who mostly just look like people with like multiple eyelids, but then they can like turn like anamorph into traditional dragons. I'm pumping like, my fist at all of these ideas. They're, yeah, they like, sound like they could be cool. Like our 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 heroine Kaylin is in the Hawks. Which is the name of like the fantasy police, basically. Like it the is my understanding. Cops. It is like the interspecies fantasy police, right? They're like lot, they're, they're, yeah, like it's is a big. It's a melting pot. Is the, okay. the hawks? And okay. I don't know that the hawk, like the leader of the hawks, always has to be a bird person. But in this case, <laughs> it is a bird person. Okay. And, but 
all of this is thrown at you so in such a condent, like the first couple chapters are so dense that I was, I had to go, I'd like go on Amazon. I had to go, like I had to check multiple sources to make sure I was reading the first book in the series. And then I also had to make sure that when I opened it on Kindle, you know, Kindle skips a lot of the front matter stuff a lot of the time just to like throw you into the beginning. I had to make sure that it didn't accidentally skip some meaty prologue or maybe like a couple pages of maps or like some kind of something (laughs) that would help me feel moored in this, in this world at at literally at all. And none of that is, none of that is the case. It just, it chucks you Okay. In the deep end, you you meet a million different species. You meet a ton of different characters. Some of some of them have you know fancy names like Tia Maris and Severn, and some of them are named Marcus and Clint. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> and so, you just you just it's just it's a lot. It's too much. It's too much all at once. And I okay. don't I don't need everything to start like in, in you know in a hole in the ground. There lived a hobbit. I don't need it to go down to. <laughs> Like the very basic level, yeah. For ev- for everything, but I do feel I, this book like jumps around in time a little bit. Like you, you find out more about Kalen as you, as you go. Um, there's like a big, there are a couple of big info dumps that go back to her childhood, like halfway through and like two thirds or three quarters of the way through. I feel strongly that if the book had been told in order, it would be better. Okay. For for a bunch of reasons, like but like the story of this character may have clicked st- for you, or you might have gotten a handle on her sooner. Well, just, you start with her as a kid, and we we can talk about the the story a little bit and why I feel this way. But I feel like if you had started with her as a kid and then worked up to her being this like veteran of of this of the fantasy cops, that hmm. would would be better. Then it would be it would be yeah. easier easier to get into than it is when you just like throw the reader into the, like oh here she is she's been a fantasy cop for like seven years and we're gonna assume that you have been there the whole time and that you know all this <laughs> stuff already sure I'm just I want to check the um you know the ton of French books that we like that are like the Dublin Murder Squad books yeah 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 mm-hmm. the very first one of those in the woods mm-hmm. I think is has a similar like. The main character is this cop. He something stuff happened to him when he was a kid that factors into it or at least informs how he approaches this one case. There are flashbacks, but I don't think I need to learn about bird people and drag it. Like, I think because it's set in contemporary Ireland, like, (laughs) I think it is there's some lifting I don't have to do to get into the world of the characters. Yeah. Like you don't, you just don't need to learn that mirrors in this universe work like Skypes or Zoom. I guess Zooms, I guess Zooms. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to tell you about a bunch of stuff in this book that sounds cool. (laughs) Okay, great. I am like, I I am not trying (laughs) to say that books can't throw you in, you know, into a, an immediate race situation and be successful. I'm saying that this book does it, badly and that makes me wish she had made a different choice taken fewer chances with it oh sure okay yeah that she she had gone a more conventional route instead of because you know it it is hard to come back from a first couple of chapters that's this tough i don't know this was her i'm just looking at the easiest bibliography i can find one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I think this was her thirteenth published novel. <laughs> it just it, so, it feels and when we've talked about this, it feels like coming into to, to go back to the D and D thing you mentioned. Yeah, it yeah. feels like coming into someone's D and D campaign six hours in and just having to catch up. Like nobody yeah. explains anything to you. You just have to pick it all up from from context. And I, what I, I named the number of books she's published because there was that quote about her like trying to write a slightly different style, you know, from her mm-hmm. previous books. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe the, the, this is an example of like an overcorrection or something where like, yeah, maybe I don't, I don't know what her world building style is in the other novels. So maybe if people have read those, they should let us know. But yeah, all right. So where do you, where do you want to do some more writing stuff? Or do you want to tell me a little bit about the characters? 
I do. I do want to talk about the nuts and bolts of the, of the writing, but I think I want to come back to it. Yeah. So, um, the main plot of this book and understand that I'm pulling a bunch of different stuff from all over, just all over the book. All over the book. It's not really told to you in this order. So Kaylin is like 20, like early twenties, like just, just coming of age. She is, she lives, they live in this fantasy kingdom called Elantra, right? Yeah. Elantra has a bunch of different species in it. Uh, there's like kind of an immortal overclass made up of like the, the dragons and like these weird, uh, not quite elf people. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Um, and like the telepathic tentacle people. Um, and then there, there are just regular people, like regular humans walking around and then like bird people and, and lion people. Okay. And they all kind of live together in this. Is it a big city? Is it? Yeah, it's kind of a, it's a big city and it has like an emperor and everything. But then the, basically the suburbs, which are called the fiefs are lawless I mean, places. Have you been to the burbs? (laughs) Sure. Yes. Yes, I have. Um, where the emperor doesn't really have any, like, you know, jurisdiction. They are part of Elantra, but they aren't in any realistic way controlled by the emperor which makes me wonder how strong this emperor is actually supposed to be oh. if, if like i think it's seven people and it's you you know it's seven people because at some point Kalen just says the seven and you're like what the i've never you've never told you've never mentioned that yep yep, yep. it's just oh jeez just the the way that the terms come at you is is really just extremely disorienting so our, our our introduction to Kaylin is that she is woken up late for a work meeting and she doesn't have clean clothes. Okay. And so she gets up to go Relatable. to her work. She goes gets up to go to her work meeting and she has on like nasty pants. And she's hungry cuz she hasn't really eaten. It's we're all, we're supposed to find this all really endearing that she just like can't do her laundry and eat lunch and and show up to meetings on time. Yeah. It's kind of a running everybody in this in this entire organization is just like endlessly patient with her and, and like coddling That's nice. her and like tolerant of, of her shortcomings in ways that I'm sure would be apparent if I had spent seven years with her instead of yeah. just <laughs> encountering her as an entitled adult who doesn't seem to bring a lot to the table but sure does I'll just assume that everybody will find her whole vibe cute. Okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, so she, yeah, she, she wakes up, she has to go to a meeting with the Hawk Lord and there's a guy there and she instantly flies into a rage and tries to kill him. Uh, and this is, again, you've not, none of this has been explained to you. You don't know why this is happening. It just would mm. be, wouldn't it be exciting if somebody entered a room and then started a fight? Oh, is the, is I the mean, motivation behind writing it this way? Wouldn't it? Yeah, wouldn't it really? But wouldn't it be exciting if they did it this way? Uh, this guy's name is Severn, which does which not me pronouncing Seven weird. His name's Severn. Yeah, Severn, uh huh. And he is a, a guy who is from Kaylin's old neighborhood. She used to live out out in the fiefs, the the lawless burbs. She's rocking the suburbs. And she's clawed her way up into the Hawks by her own, you know, her grit. Yeah. And not her academic achievement, because, again, every character in the book mentions multiple times that she basically failed every test that she was ever given. (sighs) Okay. But again, but again, but again, everybody loves her and she's She's just not good at tests. She's got a lot of friends. Uh, Okay. And it's the the kids are dying. These kids are dying, and they're dying in a way that's like similar to a way that kids died several years ago. They're like showing up with these weird markings on them. And I don't remember exactly what part of the book you learn that Kaylin also has a bunch of like similar markings on her, but she does, and not a lot of people know about it. Okay. Uh, so she paired up with Severn, who she reluctantly to, to agrees not to try to kill. Uh, you you don't find out the beef between them for a super long time. You just she just <laughs> thinks about how much she would like to kill him, okay. constantly. But then also wow. in between doing that is like kind of vibing with him a little bit. Is yeah, like is he from your perspective? Is he a jerk worth being annoyed at? 
he's like he's he's a cipher he's he has scars and he's taciturn and that's yeah. me, those are mostly the things you know about him. okay and then she's paired with uh this dragon dragon guy named tia maris and right. he, of course it's introduced to you where the book just drops oh he's a dragon and then there's like a, a break and you're like wow i sure do wish i knew enough to to be gasping the way that that Michelle book, Cigar the, clearly yeah. wants me to be gasping, okay. which is a thing it also does all the time. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, he has a little tattoo of a castle, and it means he's an arcanist. Can you believe it? It's like, I don't know who that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you mm. haven't. You have not laid the groundwork for me to know what this is. Sure, sure. Uh, so they are they are fantasy cops, and they have to go to the thief, and they have to f- start figuring out this mystery that. And the so the, the, there's a dragon man and he's just very mysterious and the, the emperor is a dragon. So they're kind of the the biggest wigs of all. And there are not really any dragons in the Hawks. So Caitlin doesn't really know any dragons. So, it's, you know, it's it's a it's a character who she can be very intimidated by. But then when they form a friendship, it's it's endearing because, perhaps even more meaningful because of yes. how, how unlikely it is and that ba- like I, I don't mind tia mars no. he's all right it's yeah. not his fault that the book is written this way <laughs> well this this sounds like i mean honestly it's it's for lack of my own reading it's reminding me of some of the like the bioware games with like mm-hmm. the types of character archetypes you encounter yeah like and you, how it's just it's, it's all about doing um like a lion and a and a cat and a, like a turtle who are best friends. It's all yeah. about like unlikely character pairing. Yeah, I did that. Okay, <laughs> sure. That's why there are lion people. Are there turtle people? No, there's not. Well, not that I know of. Not in this book. Not in this book. Um, I'm gonna skip over like the the vast majority of the secondary and tertiary characters because there's just so many of them and they're all introduced to you as if you've known them for years. <laughs> that was that was surprising to me just uh, to hear and read that there were so many characters in this book because of its like pitch as kind of being a cop procedural. That it feels like I mean, cop having procedurals the... have have a yeah. wide range of like. People you don't who who you don't see for the entire episode, but like oh every episode like the weird coroner shows up or like yeah. it's, it's people who you do get to know. In this book, every character fills an identical function, which is to briefly yell at Kalen for being a loose cannon who doesn't get any results. Okay, okay. but then also to be her friend and give her a bunch of uh, leeway and and uh, stuff that she hasn't earned. So yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> So they gotta go. They gotta go out to the fiefs, and they gotta figure this out. Uh, while shortly after arriving at the fiefs, this Balani, which is the elf, the elf race, the the Barani, Barani, the Balonies, yep, the Baron, <laughs> the barometers, the, the Jabronis, the Jabronis, <laughs> the Barani, right, Barani. Okay. Uh, there's this Barani guy who shows up. He's the fief, the fief lord. A lot of lords in this book. Hawk Love lord, lords. Lord, go lords. Edge lord. Um, so the fief lord shows up and whisks all of them off to his like castle, which is a weird like indeterminate interdimensional place. And he p- puts a mark on Kalen, and that's really significant. And then he tells Kalen his true name, which is also really significant. Ooh, we've got a true name thing going on. And then she, and then she goes back to the Hawk Lord and gets in trouble. But he's like, "Eh, it's okay. You can go back on duty." Which this happens nine trillion times. <laughs> She goes out. She explicitly like dis- disregards the one thing she was she was asked to do, and then we go back to the city, like the hub world, and some character calls her up on the mirrors, like, "Oh, hey, you're three hours late for your meeting with the Hawk Lord again." And she goes, and she's like, "I bowed slightly more deeply than is strictly required because I knew I was in deep trouble with the Hawk Lord." And the Hawk Lord's like, "Kaylin, you you did it, you did it again." <laughs> But here's the next thing I need you to go. You're you're on thin ice. I think Hawklord is running a bad operation. I'm gonna blame Hawklord on this one. You're, you're on thin ice, but you're you're you gotta you're gonna go back out and you're gonna do it again and just over and over and over and over and over. Okay, again. I felt that you, it was trapped in a in 
just like these meetings could all be emails or you could just fire her. Like, (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) what, what is, um, what is special? If anything about Kaylin, you mentioned the marks. She's, it's not a chosen one book, right? It's not. Well, it is and it isn't. Cause the thing about the marks is that all these, all these dead kids have showed up with all these marks on them. Okay. Like very similar marks. And Kaylin has had like her marks have kind of shifted over time in a way that's a little weird. It's weird in the first place that she has them and she's still alive. I was going to say. And like not a lot of people know about the marks because they would freak out if they knew about them. Yeah. And so the deal ends up being that some evil dragon man who you don't really meet until time to beat him the, up. The last part of the book. Like yeah. it's a very, very video game ending where you beat the antagonist that you've been chasing across 85% of the game. And then you find out there's, there's another bigger boss. That that, that was him. a middle manager and yeah, he had a boss. You, yeah. He had a boss. And so people are making child sacrifices because if they make enough sacrifices and get their car, their car punched off enough, Kaylin will become an evil elder God. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> but then Kaylin is using this you know special magic that she has to like heal people and do good stuff, which is which is making the evil people who want to make her a bad elder god like mad because it's like you're not supposed to use that power to do good stuff. You're just supposed to use it to do evil stuff. What are you doing, Kaylin? So they're like killing kids even more <laughs> to make her Yeah, and, eviler. and, and they and so she dis she is a is a like a thirteen year old, fifteen year old, uh, when this first rash of murders happens and like their murders happening like once a month. And the the big thing with her and Severn is like there are these other two kids, like orphan kids from the fiefs that they all took in. They were kind of a little boxcar children family. Cool. Except imagine if the oldest boxcar child had killed the, the youngest two for reasons that <laughs> And no. so Kaylin, Kaylin goes into their house and she sees Severn then he's all bloody and the other two kids are dead and she, she, she runs away and there's like a, a bit of her life that we don't see before she shows up at the Hawks and is sort of taken in and, and raised by them. Okay. Um, but, and then I guess the big evil guy just like forgets what he was doing for, for a while and just like, doesn't pay attention to it. And then right as Kaylin is, is going to come of age. And I don't know, like, it's not like a birthday thing. I don't know why now is when she's coming of age, but they're like, Oh shoot. I forgot I was doing that. I need to like turbo murder a bunch of kids so it can make her into an elder. God. Oh no! I truly, it, it is entirely possible that in this big long book there is a reason given for why it has to happen now. But well, because okay, so Severn kills these two kids, and it's it's all explained later because by doing this, Severn actually has like saved the entire world because he prevented Kalen's ascension into being like an evil elder god. Ooh. So. You know, it's it's like it's a bad thing that he did, but it's also a bad thing done for good reasons. It's like oh. a complicated, you know, yeah. stuff like Complica- that. He's a books, complicated fine. man. He's a complicated, a taciturn man with scars. He has so many yeah. more scars than he used to have, Craig. Back when she knew him before, he had some scars, but now he's back many years later and he has additional scars. And we're just like talking about them all the time. Um, <laughs> and so the, and I guess these like, Bawanis are vampires. The piranhas are vampires also. And so these like vampire piranhas are going to kill this plucky kid from the orphanage that Kalen goes to like basically volunteer at sometimes. And Kalen with her magic, like busts through a wall, like the Kool-Aid man and saves this kid. But then the, bad guys just go and get like uh, just go and a get different a different kid. kid and so i don't know why why was this not possible seven years ago i truly yeah, I don't, don't i truly don't understand there's probably some answer for it somewhere that i just like missed in the sea of 
prose that constitutes this book. Okay. Um, does it, does it like, feel like they're solving a mystery, or does it feel like... It uh, feels like people with more information than you are constantly declining to give you that information until later in the book for no reason. <laughs> Can I read yes. from a five-star Goodread review? Five star... Wait. Yeah. Four... No, I don't. I don't have... No, doesn't five... Deserve Good read reviews. No, 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 no song for five stars. Um, Allison here Thank liked you, the book. Mm-hmm. Thought I it mean, was five stars. Neat. That's as much as you can like anything. Yes, spends much of her review just describing what's happening in the book. Okay, cool. A lot of things are a mystery. Some because they aren't revealed all at once, and some because the world building is difficult to understand at times. <laughs> Sometimes I felt like I was missing basic background information that prevented me from following things as it was revealed. I didn't always understand as much as Kaylin did during her discoveries. Explanations and experiences that she accepted as just another piece of the puzzle were confusing to me. Um, by the end of the book, by the end of the book, I felt like I pretty solidly knew what was going on, how the world was set up, who was in it, what the magic was. Mostly, there's still a lot of I need to learn more about, but I think I've got the basics down and having plenty left to learn promises more fun reading the series. Other things that Allison talks about is like learning about it through Kalen's relationships with other characters. And if I was going to say there was, there's another theme of like what people found in this series from that uh, fan site for fans of Michelle Scar West is like people shipping different characters, uh-huh. people being interested in how the secondary characters have changed over time maybe being a little frustrated about Kalen kind of being kind of stagnant in the later books um because she's, inter- she's such a dynamic interesting character in this well one, and so I, I could- feel like it's it's a there's a tension there with such a long-running series that like how much can she change before you have to start winding down the whole series in the first place um but you can cycle in and out these secondary people and have them grow and change yeah whatever but i was just struck by how like a someone who was like i liked this book i had a good time some of it's still pretty fuzzy and those were the the reviews that made me feel seen and i didn't like i did read a couple of of good ones including one that was kind of festooned with fan art um oh i didn't just go to find ones that that confirmed your experience, but it, but, but it, it's, uh, it's and we've talked about this a bunch of times with it, like the function of Goodreads reviews on this show. It was mostly just to find out whether the problem is me or the problem is the book. Like like am I am yeah. I experiencing this in a unique way because it is just not my cup of tea and I'm reading it on deadline to make content about it, or do other people who encountered the book feel the same sure. way about it? And yeah, sure. you can find you can find quite a few. Like DNF, DNF people who were basically just like, I never knew what was going on. It was so overwritten mm. and I just couldn't. And mm. if I like truly, if I had not had to finish it for the show, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have. Yeah. Um, and we can, we can get into, I have a bunch of examples of, of like concrete prose things that just were obstacles for you because I don't like none of the, none of the stuff I've described so far is bad. Like that, like it is the, the end of the book sets up this whole thing about the, the true names where like these gods made the immortal beings and gave them names. And some of them like chose to like forget their names so that people couldn't have like power over them. Yes. And it's like, it's neat. That's kind of neat. Yes. But then, but then the actual act of reading through the book and, and getting to all that stuff is is pretty. Uh, it's, it's it was just a slog. I've probably said slog before. Mm. Well, while and describing you, this, but that's so like, that's the best word. Is it just feels like trying to walk in the deep end of a swimming pool? <laughs> like you're just you're just you're trying to. I was trying the entire time to get to the part of the book where I felt like I was on my feet enough to like appreciate it for what it yeah. was. And I did, I did get there in, in terms of the lore. Like once you get through the yeah. first few super dense chapters, you kind of have a, a basic like sketchy sense of like the, the organization and the different like casts and how the different like races interact yeah. with each other. But, but even once you've done that, just the, the way it is written 
was such that, and the, you can, I mean, you, you've got the receipts, you can go into Slack and confirm this. Like I could not get very far before I had to go and complain about it to somebody. Sure. <laughs> it was just, it was just tough to get through. There's just so much of it. Yeah. So we've, we've talked about the like structure of the book being an issue for your enjoyment of it. And that like, I'm with you on the, um, the like what do and don't you know about the world reminds me of reading Mistborn and like I dug that book. I don't remember half the stuff about the I didn't need to know everything about how that world worked. Is that a Sanderson joint? Yeah, that's okay, one of the Sanderson yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. I liked the, I remember kind of the magic system, but I don't really remember much about like why the rich people were the way they were <laughs> and whatever. <laughs> and I don't think I necessarily understood all of it at the time and didn't need to, but the you know, the way that the book was not also being like, ha ha, here's information, but I'm not going to explain it, which it sounds like happens a few times in this book. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. here is a new nugget and you're supposed to react as if you know that it's like a tasty morsel, but yeah. you've never eaten that type of food before. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But so that's, that's one thing you had with it. Yeah. Let's go into your, your writing receipts just so that, and I think, I think that the, the uh, like, genesis of this for you is or of this style maybe is that she is limiting herself to one like kind of character voice and energy that's my that's my hypothesis that she is like as a writer is trying to shift in styles a little bit and it results in a style that did not work for old andrew it's like maybe maybe that's it but i it's really just I don't even know if this is perspective or if it's just like literally the way that she's choosing to write. Like I, I can't, if you're thinking of great literary characters, there are none that are like, my thing is I use a dozen nested clauses in every sentence that I think like there's no, there's just nobody. So it's, it is understand. I'm going to read several examples know that no one example is the straw that broke the camel's back, but it Mm. is the accumulation of many straws over Mm. the entire length of the book that does you in on it. Um, All right. So here's, I I did a search for the phrase of course, which shows up 41 times in the book. Uh, Mm. There are a few other phrases that show they're they're just like weird little ticks that she, that she goes back to over and over again. Uh, They're leaving the fief Lord's castle and going back to Hawk Lord to get probably chewed out for something they did. It was of course night in the fiefs and they were walking in it or rather Severn and Tia Mars were walking. Kaylin was stumbling. Uh, That is, I, that's, the book just like tells you stuff and is, and then is like, or rather, or, and actually it was like this other different way as well. It always, it, it always takes the longest possible route to telling you what it wants to tell you. And that's a character beat that is still like an interesting, like two characters are walking one way. Another character is walking a different way. Tells me something about a situation. It's just a, it's just the words and the way they are ordered here. That is awkward. Well, and you know what the phrase of course means is that you are highlighting something that the reader already knows for yeah. emphasis. I don't know that it's night in the fiefs, <laughs> of course. Even if you're going to say the sentence, it was night in the fiefs, you don't need to say of course to me. Uh, she cursed under her breath at the various baker stalls, semicolon. She really didn't have the time to stop, comma. And had she, comma, the money was a bit lacking, period. Her stomach, comma, as usual, comma, was ignorant of the basic facts of her life, comma, and it growled every time she came close, period. Which, comma, given the press of bodies, comma, was about every 10 feet. Uh, Caitlin slept off the worst of her numbing exhaustion in the foundling hall, comma, if something so interrupted could be called sleep. She bowed, comma, rose and offered the hawk lord a passable salute, M-dash, which is to say, comma, passable because there was no one to be offended by its lack of precision, M-dash, and took a deep breath. Uh, there are greater risks. His steps, unlike her voice, were heavy, authoritative. This was his territory, and she was, M-dash, barely, M-dash, a guest. You could be more, comma, he said softly. I think I'd rather be less, period. What does that mean? I don't know. There was no defiance in the phrase. It was mute, comma, or wait, semicolon. It was muted, comma, and short of defiance, comma, it was the most contemptible of things, comma, to the Barani, colon, honest, period. But he chuckled, comma, which survives her, period. Not even vulnerability, comma. He replied, comma, is outside of the game. Just like, what are you, you're just burying me in this stuff. Like, I'm trying so hard. 
everything is just this weird rat's nest of of punctuation and, and clauses and it's it's so it's all so roundabout and it's like this all the time like every time two characters are talking to each other you have to have a mil a million little asides about i don't know like about the specific like tilt of their eyebrow or like the the intonation or something it's, it's just this book is so so much of it is aside and you need mm. more of it to be, you need things for those to be aside of. You can't That's, just have it yeah. be all asides. Well, it just feels like a, it feels like an unsustainable voice for a full book. Like I feel like you could, again, if this were confined to a, uh, to one character, it, it still feels cumbersome. I'm not saying it doesn't, um, but there is a like, restrained version of this that is meant to convey how someone thinks Mm -hmm. and i don't think that that is like what is actually coming across he started to move when they reached him i'm just i'm just picking a thing out of a hat that i that happens to be on the page of this book that i'm on Uh, he started to move when they reached him and neither severn nor kaylin had much to say they hit the streets in a slow jog rattling like tin cans well severn did luckily self was not an issue they all wore the emblem of the hawks had they been thinking they'd have ditched that but they weren't about to turn around for something as trivial as dress and it was a sign of the day that it was a triviality kaylin paused at the foot of a bridge staring at the moving waters of the abilene as if she could read them she freed her hair pulled it back more tightly twisting it into an almost uncomfortable knot and exposing as much of her face as she could in the process she shoved the stick back through its center if mages were actually useful comma she said as she turned from the water and toward the thief they'd make hair things that actually keep the hair in it's like these paragraphs and paragraphs of needless detail ending in some like jerry seinfeld observation about hair things (laughs) it feels like the prose is trying to bury me alive (laughs) oh god well, and it doesn't feel like it is doing it in a postmodern, let me reference it way. No, like just like used, used sparingly, the stuff can like add color and it can yeah. be voicey. But yeah, like this, yeah. this book is so long and it absolutely doesn't feel like it needs to be like, it feels like everything needs to be reordered. And it just like, there is an interesting story here where I think if you start with, Here's here's how I'd restructure this. You start with Caitlin and the Fiefs as a as a child. She meets Severn. You get an idea of like their relationship and how important he is to her. Uh, they like pick up these other two like orphan kids. Like this is how this this is how the story happens. But this is yeah, how I would yeah, start yeah. it. You start with that, and then because you're seeing it through the eyes of the child, there's your entrance into the society. There's that because she's a member of the underclass, you get how the you know, life in the fiefs is different from life in Elantra, a mm. good opportunity to explain like the way the world works and is structured. Yeah. Um, which, which is not like that. There a lot of fantasy books where that happens. Yeah. And then the, like this first little section of the book that I'm constructing start stops with this betrayal from Severn that Kaylin doesn't understand we we similarly to what the book does now can like kind of jump to a punch j- jump to jump to later when she's an adult we already know some things about her and about the world so that your introduction to this as is not as jarring you can still if you if you want to do the like delayed flashback for dramatic effect thing like you don't have to tell us a ton about yeah. The seven years yeah. that transpires in between. But suddenly you get this first meeting between Kaylin and, and Severn where she wants to like fly into a rage and, and kill him. And it's been not only has it been given more weight, but then you, the reader, are actually engaged in like what what on earth could have just could justify the thing that this guy did and why is he still like a member of polite society who she's being like forced to work with. I, f- yeah. I feel like there is a way to just take that nugget of story and tell it in a way that is more conventional, but also more like traditionally engaging. Mm. And then, I mean, it doesn't clean up the rest of the prose, but I do think it helps a little bit with like to, to both feel like you don't understand what's going on. And like the book is just like, 
hitting you with a pillowcase full of oranges over and over again. Like you, if you can solve one of those problems, do it because it is, it is hard to be doing both of those at the same time. All right. I had it. I, I had a tough read. I I know you did. I tried really hard to justify my reaction to the book because I usually, when I don't like a book, I, start from the assumption that I am a uh, an illiterate idiot. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. It, I'm yes. me. It's the, yeah, I'm me. I'm the problem. Yes. <laughs> Balonies. Um, but I really, I don't, I don't think it's me. Yeah. Yeah. With Cast and Shadow, the Chronicles I would be, of Wander book one. If there are people who've read other Sagara, or if there are folks who have read other books in this series, would definitely be interested to know if like what changes both like what is interesting about the characters 10 books later and like are there appreciable differences in the prose yeah because i've, I've read this, you know I've, I've done a bunch of like first books in in fantasy yeah. series lately the one i the one i'm thinking of is like that red rising like the yeah the, yeah the, and everyone's like you should have read the rest of them yeah like the urab rose on <laughs> mars book but i yeah. think i hope and may, I need to go back and make sure that this is the case. I hope that the fact that I generally enjoyed that book comes through, even as I talk about the, I like, think the you, shortcomings uh, yes. of it. Yeah. And I did, I'm stuck somewhere in book three now, but I did like go back to read a little bit more of it, partly because um, people, we got, yeah, we people got such a strong reaction. Yeah, yeah. people, well, not, not even like negative reaction. Nope, just no, like, no, yeah, no. I totally get why you thought that about the first book and it gets better in subsequent books. Like it is, yeah. That I am completely open to the possibility that that is that is the case with this, but yep. it seems like there are a lot of people who really really like this series, in spite of the way that this opens, or maybe even like because of the way that it opens. Maybe. And yeah, I, I just I I am open to understanding it, but it is beyond my understanding. It's also like what I can do by myself and some internet research, you know. Yeah, and and just to to wrap up like i think it's also it's a series that's been around for 20 years and we've talked about or almost 20 years and we've talked about like when you encounter a book or a series like kind of maybe matters like there might be people who this was one of their first books in this genre that they read so they weren't like worrying as much about the pro style because they're just like in it for oh my god it's a fantasy book with yeah or you know, like you hit it when you were younger like yep. it, it has a lot to do with a lot of books come off better if you hit them at specific points in your yeah. life like i'm but then that can that can be like oh well now i'm in it for 17 books now yeah. because this this is my thing <laughs> i'm also just i'm i'm sensitive to the not maybe incorrect yeah, uh, image of of myself on this podcast amongst our listeners as the one who hates everything, and I don't like. <laughs> I I know that I'm the I'm the grump, and you're the you're the, the sunny goofus. optimist, and that's our that that's a is bit our, of our dynamic. That is a bit of our dynamic, but I I really want to. You're better at bringing receipts than I am, though. Like <laughs> like, and, and that's uh, that's not a a a half hearted compliment. I think that. You have done a pretty good job of trying to be like, yeah, whatever. I'm gonna grump, but like, here's, here's I've got the why. I just, I just don't want a boy who cried wolf myself. I yeah, want to come yeah, to the. Yeah. I'm, I'm sensitive to the, the impression that I come to the podcast with a, with a more negative response to more things, and so when I say reading this book was like suffocating, people don't, people think I'm just being silly or mm. that I just, I just do this all the time. No, and, that no, yeah. you have not this is a rare reaction. <laughs> I would say. You have not usually you will just like tell me like, "Well, it's it's a little slow. I'm having I'm having trouble with this one, but we'll get there." Like, like this and, was and Yeah, a lot of the time I'll come to you and I'm like a third of the way or half the way through a book and I'm like I'm having a tough time so far and then by the time I get to the end or that I've read some yep. other responses to it or reviews of it, like I I have I have, if not like come around on it myself, at least like come to an understanding of why the people who like it, like it and was, was, was not yeah. the case for this, despite no, my best, but efforts, I think so. we, I think you did a lot of work to try to find that mm-hmm. and I commend you for it. Thank you. 
You are not cast in shadow. You are cast in light, Andrew. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Let's get out of here. If you, uh, the listener, have read these books, um, or if you tried to read this book and like you, like Andrew, had a tough time, let, send us an email. We'd love to read about it. Uh, OverduePod at gmail.com. Hit us up on social media at OverduePod. If you've made art in the universe of Elantra and it's safe to share on social media, maybe <laughs> share it with us. Uh, thanks to Kate, Cheryl, MBK, Emily, Evan, Rebecca, Jeff, Megan, Robert for reaching out in the past week. Uh, our theme song was composed by Nick Lorandis. If folks want to know more about the show, Andrew, where do they go? Over to podcast.com is our internet website up there. We have links to the books that we have read and the ones that we are going to read. Uh, we also have a link to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash overdue pod. Support the show directly, help pay for hosting, and then also get access to our Discord community, uh, bonus episode recordings. We're going to be recording a a bonus on Horror Store. Yeah, pretty uh, soon, actually, by, by the time this episode comes yeah, out. Yeah, by Grady Hendrix this week as a uh, make good for our Spooktober bonus episode that didn't happen because... Um, Craig, the spookiest thing of all. I had a baby. <laughs> you had a yeah. Craig's Craig made a person. Yeah, <laughs> partly. It's so spooky. <laughs> they just let anybody do it, which is they so let wild. you take it home yep. in your car. Yep. Mm-hmm. They don't even watch you drive away. I'm <laughs> no, just like, well, he seems <laughs> this baby. They, he's had this baby for two days. He seems like he knows what he's. All about. they do is make sure that the car seat fits okay, mm-hmm. and then that's it. Yeah, that's the true horror store. Is oh, God. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, bonus episodes. Uh, our long read project, which is uh, Sand by, called Sand by Me, about Neil Gaiman's The Sandman series. Yep. Uh, which is going pretty good so far, I think. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what are you doing next week? The Three Body Problem by Lucy Zinn. All right, I'm going to bring my best jokes about. What you the, just situations you could get in problems you could have with three bodies. <laughs> All right, everybody, until we talk to you next time, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.